Imagine that you're 14 years old, and today at school, you started a swim unit in PE, which meant that you had to wear your bathing suit in front of the whole class. You're feeling lonely, insecure, and very critical of yourself. So when you get home from school, you do what you always do. You start to scroll through your phone. And then you start to see all of this hyper-curated content. You see an influencer that you love giving advice about their latest juice fast. You see a post from a girl that you know at school, but you hardly recognize her because of all the beauty filters that she's using. And then you scroll to see your favorite TikTok star share about their latest plastic surgery tweakment. Well, now you're feeling even more lonely, more insecure, and more critical of yourself. This is the reality and the world that so many young people live in today. It's messy. It's complicated. And sometimes that advice that they're receiving online about beauty, it can be toxic. In fact, the most recent Dove Self-Esteem Project research found that one in two girls say toxic beauty advice on social media causes low self-esteem. That's what we're going to be exploring in today's episode of Let's Change Beauty. I'm Jess Wiener, and I'm joined by social worker, psychotherapist, and content creator, Nadia Adesi. And we're going to be talking about the very real repercussions of toxic beauty standards online and off. On Nadia's popular TikTok channel, she creates relatable and actionable content about mental health issues that impact us all, but especially young people. So let's dig in. Nadia, I'm so happy that you're here with me and that we can dig into this really important conversation. So toxic beauty ideals aren't made in a vacuum. They they come from multiple sources and, and, and have a lot of factors involved. When I say toxic beauty ideals, what comes to mind for you? What does that look like or sound like? I think that society is what causes a toxic beauty ideal. Even from when like I was thinking, when did I start trying to change the way I look? Or when did I start paying attention to these things? And I realized ever since we're young, we're forced this idea of what beauty should be from what we see on TV and the princesses wearing certain dresses and looking certain ways and behaving a certain way. And even superheroes and how they look and the mm-hmm. toys that we play with and the cartoons that we watch. I think society is solely responsible or mostly responsible for the toxic beauty standard that we see. And it's spilling out more on social media because that's what we're using. Whereas before it was magazines and movies and TVs, while it's still that social media is our main source of connection these days. And I think that's where we're seeing it. And I think toxic beauty is just unrealistic beauty standards that are placed on everyone to look and behave a certain way. That's how I think about it as well. I define them as unrealistic or um, hypersexualized or stereotypical, right? Like, and and really at the core of it, it's an exclusion of people, right? It's either preferring a certain body type mm-hmm. or shape or a skin tone or a hair texture. And you're right, you know, we've had a lot of cultural impact. And as a cultural expert, I study that regularly, the, the multitudes of intersectionalities that make up a toxic beauty ideal. But I know if you and I generationally, we grew up with different influences. I did grow up with those magazines that would compare celebrities' beach bodies every single week. And we'd be tearing apart who got plastic surgery and who didn't. And even at a young age, I was uh, raised by a mom who believed in those you know, beauty standards and by a, a culture that that supported that. But now in, in this uh, culture and time that we're living in, when you talk about social media, will you speak a little bit more to how social media amplifies those toxic uh, beauty ideals? Well, just going on your example with magazines, there was a last page 
So when you're done with that magazine, there's nothing else after that. Yeah, you can pick up another one, but then still there's a last page. On social media, we can scroll forever. And the way our Mm -hmm. algorithms work is so tricky. If we, I know on TikTok at least, if we're watching content for a certain amount of time, we're more likely to see that content. And when you're experiencing low self-esteem or low confidence, you're seeking out content that's going to, I'm using quotations here, motivate you to change that, which isn't the healthiest thing, but then you're going to continuously see that type of content. Right. So we're actually almost training our machines to give us back what we think that we want. And I'll just give us a little example of what that kind of toxic beauty advice could sound like as you're scrolling through your feeds. You can transform yourself at home. Keep telling yourself you're not hungry. You're just thirsty. Baby Botox is amazing. But let's talk about the impact of that because I think understanding uh, why we follow people or content that makes us feel bad. And I've been there. I'm thinking about a 13-year-old who, you know, this is their entire world and maybe they don't have some of these critical thinking skills. But I'm also thinking about myself as an adult. I follow, have had and have followed people that don't make me feel great. Why do we do that? I, I think it's a variety of things. Like sometimes there's no, I think most of the time there's no intention on the other person to not make us feel good. And I know for sure. me, when I'm struggling the most with body image and self-esteem I was getting that from like family and friends who obviously had no intention to make me feel bad, but I couldn't not follow them because they're part of my inner circle and they're important to me. But like I said before, I also think we follow certain people as inspiration and we see that toxic like thinspo and fitspo and it's because we're trying to change ourselves in a certain way and we consume that content to help push us to that point. But then it just results in us feeling worse. It's not actually doing what it's supposed to do. Will you help me break down what thinspo and fitspo mean for people listening who might not know those terms? So they're both hashtags on social media that if you search them, you'll see like fitspo, for example, multitudes of content of fitness professionals or just fitness people sharing tips of how to get fit or tips on how to get thin. And an issue with these is one, it can be triggering to people struggling and two, they're very blanket statements. And Mm -hmm. we all have different bodies and different backgrounds and different resources. And it's kind of like a one size fits all approach and it's unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not super regulated again for those younger folks that are watching, you know, oftentimes it, you know, you can't really tell what's maybe a sponsored post for a product or, you know, I mean, content creators can be so brilliant in the work that they're making, but sometimes that message can get blurred. And I know when we talk about toxic beauty standards, you know, it's not necessarily every single post a young person might be absorbing, right? It could be every 10 posts, but they add up. They add up and they're very common. Like after we were talking about it, I was like, let me just go on my page and scroll and see. And I would say every 10 to 15 videos is advice. And I'm like, am I watching too much of this now? Is that why it's coming up on my feed? I'm talking about TikTok. I know the Instagram algorithm is different, but it's really, really common. I don't think the intention is always bad from the influencers, but I do think these blanket statements can be triggering. Well, and I think for parents listening, you know, and we've talked about this before, you know, parents are getting served different content. You've been mentioning a couple of times that the more we consume a certain kind of content, the more we get served that content. And so, you know, moms and parents and caregivers are getting different content than young people who might start to go down a rabbit hole looking at a thinspiration post around how good you feel when you lose weight. And then all of a sudden, everything in their feed is about weight loss or dieting. 
Exactly. And that just reminded me of a client I had in the past who was a teenage client who her and her friends would send videos back and forth of let's try this diet, let's do this. And then that hacks your algorithm too, because now you're seeing double that amount of content. I was going to ask you in your experience as a psychotherapist and a social worker, what you're noticing could be long-term effects on the body image of young people who keep absorbing these toxic messages. What does that look like when it shows up? Body image, absolutely, that that is negatively impacted. But one of the biggest things I'm seeing with young girls specifically, because that's the population I work most with is anxiety of not living up to a certain standard of not being able to compare, not having the same things, not looking a certain way. And it's that constant stress of not being able to live up to what they think they should be. And then in terms of body image, it's eating disorders, it's body dysmorphia, it's binge eating, anorexia, trigger warning. Um, But that's something I'm seeing a lot now and just excessive working out and trying to change themselves. Yeah, this really becomes, if especially if you've got some pre-existing mental health conditions or you have a propensity even for feeling anxiety or depression or struggling with that, right? This can be somewhat of an accelerator, these Absolutely. toxic beauty ideals. A quick solution that isn't healthy, like the diets of just drink water every time you're hungry. Maybe you're just thirsty. And that's just contributing to the un, like unhealthy mindset. Yes. Well, I I wanted to also, you do such a good job in the content that you make kind of breaking down both the physiological and the physical experiences for people. And I thought it would be helpful to talk about when we talk about physiological symptoms of, of absorbing this kind of content. I think about the emotions that we feel every day, the, the feelings that we feel when we're absorbing this content. What are some emotions or feelings that are kind of warning signs that you may be experiencing, you know, too much absorption of these toxic beauty ideals? What are the feelings that would come up for somebody experiencing that? I think our body definitely talks to us, whether we're anxious, depressed, low, our body will send us that message maybe before we're even able to process it. And what I encourage for any parents listening or for any listening is scroll through your feed and pay attention to what you're feeling. If you're scrolling through your feed and you're seeing this toxic beauty advice and you're getting a pit in your stomach, it's telling you a sign of it's making you anxious. Or if you're scrolling through your feed and once you're done, you're absolutely burnt out and exhausted, that's telling you Mm. something too. Our body talks to us in different ways and I know it's relative to the person, but I would say pay attention to your stomach, your chest, your throat, your exhaustion levels, and just your motivation after scrolling. I notice my breathing. I sometimes hold my breath when I'm receiving content that's making me feel like anxious or ramped up. Like I'll notice like, I haven't breathed while I'm looking at this content. Yeah. You know what? I feel like I do the same thing, almost like you're holding your breath and then you get to that content that makes you feel good. And you're like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You straddle these two really interesting worlds, right? You're this professional psychotherapist and social worker. And also in the last couple of years, you've had an incredible rise on social media as a content creator, specifically on TikTok with what, 3 million plus, you know, folks looking and absorbing your content. And I'm curious for you, how your perspective has changed since being on the other side now as a content creator. And I think it's easy for me to sit here and be like, just post reality of your life and post you on your worst days and show people the authentic you. But I didn't realize how hard it was until I was actually in it. And Mm. I know I've talked about this before, but for a while I would post videos and you can get a hundred positive comments, but it's those negative comments that you really focus on. And I am a therapist and a social worker and I do know how to set boundaries, but I got stuck. 
I got really yeah. into it and it was hard for me to escape that I had to set a boundary with myself to actually take a break from social media or I would post and then get off my phone right away because it was so overwhelming. And I see both sides of it. One, yeah, it's really important to show your authentic self so that other people get inspired to do the same and they're not constantly looking at people's highlights and comparing it to their dark moments. Mm-hmm. But two, it can be really hard to do that on your bad days when you're mm-hmm. already feeling bad about yourself. And if I think about it, we're all really content creators in our own ways, right? I mean, there are some who do this now professionally, and it's a very viable career option for young people. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made and careers to be launched doing this, but we all, everything we post is content, right? So all of us, whether we've got two followers or 2 million followers, we are having an an impact or we're making an influence, even if we don't think of it like that. And so I'm curious for you, now that you have a different visibility to the creator, world, what are some unique pressures you think they may be facing when it comes to toxic beauty ideals? Because we are still talking about people here at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think there's so many of getting a certain amount of likes, looking a certain way, not showing your true self on camera because of all the hate that you get. And it's funny because on TikTok, you're able to see friends only posts. So if someone I'm following and is following me, post something, only each other can see it. And like our mutuals can see it. Does that make sense? Like only yeah. whoever's following each other can see it. And so many of the times I see posts of people like crying of this world is really hard and I don't know what to do next or I'm feeling so overwhelmed or I got this hate comment and it's really hard to pull myself back up after it. And I think we don't pay attention to pay attention enough at least to how much pressure there is on these influencers yeah. and on these content creators to act a certain way. I think one of the biggest things that we do, right, with the Dove Self-Esteem Project and the curriculum that we've been putting out into the world for, you know, 17, 18 years now is a, a teaching of media literacy skills and critical thinking skills that I think, you know, candidly becomes more important than ever before with this generation of young people and their parents and caregivers, because there is a filtering that needs to happen when we absorb content. And for younger minds, lesser developed critical thinking skills, you know, a lot of what they absorb or the people that they're following, they may not be thinking about the ultimate long-term impact, but you know, it compounds. And I'm curious what role you think content creators have in this conversation. If we start to raise more awareness that toxic beauty advice can be harmful for young girls' self-esteem. I mean, we know from our Dove research, one in two girls say that the toxic beauty advice they receive online negatively impacts their self-esteem. So once we start to learn about impact, what do you think creators can do to be more mindful of that? I think creators, as hard as it can be, have an overall responsibility to be as authentic as possible that their mental health will allow. We really need to cut it with the Photoshop and the editing and the (laughs) doing certain things off a certain way because the long-term harmful effects are making our younger generation feel like they have to live up to this unrealistic beauty standard that's not even real. So I do think Mm -hmm. we have a sense of responsibility to be as authentic as we can if it feels right because I know that can also be hard but also just raising awareness and having these conversations even outside of content creation have these conversations with your friends and with your family and build that awareness yeah let's dig into that a little bit more what is the role of family and friends in this conversation I mean I know you work a lot with young patients and their families so what does that ecosystem need to look like in order to make this change one of the biggest things I see and I don't want to place 
blame on parents because everyone's learning too. I started developing this idea that something was wrong with me when one of my parent figures said that they need to go on a diet or that they hated their bodies. Mm. Like the way you're speaking about yourself in front of your family members, especially in front of your younger children whose minds are still developing matters. These young people getting the idea really early on that they need to alter things to be, once again, quotations, beautiful. I was going to add, you know, I think this is a more nuanced and holistic conversation, which is that these toxic beauty ideals didn't just ex- exist now with social media. They've been out in our in our culture for a long time. And when you talk about the dynamic of like a mom or a dad or a caregiver who's been on their own journey around beauty and dieting and what they think, you know, to use your quotes, makes them beautiful. I do think about um, the new education that's needed for parents to recognize because we've all absorbed these beauty ideals and somehow can hold them to be true, right? That somehow when I'm thinner, my life will feel better or when my teeth are whiter and straighter, then this is going to happen to me. You know, there's such this empty promise with these beauty ideals. And that's what's so dangerous for young people, isn't it? They kind of live in a future state that doing some of these dangerous beauty behaviors are somehow going to make them happier. Absolutely. And I think you're so right about the anxiety and it's always about the future. And when it comes down to it, especially working with clients who are struggling with their self-esteem, it's like, it was never actually about your body. Mm. And it was all in like a certain mindset because once you get to a certain place where you thought for so long you wanted to be, you find something else. So it's all about adjusting that mindset of what beautiful actually means to you and how it's more about your values and your personality and your goals rather than certain ways that we look. But definitely the way that our parents talk about themselves or our family members talk about themselves and how they talk to us. How many times do we hear like, you're eating too much junk food, you're you're going to gain weight. And once again, putting that idea in young kids' minds that there's something wrong with that. Right. Right. It is really this complex world in which we need to be more mindful of what we say, how we behave. I think obviously the responsibility of social media creators, platforms, brands that are in this conversation, you know, it really does take a village to raise this issue up. And one of the things, you know, that I love about the work that we get to do with Dove is we do have, while we're focused on the impact of the problem, we do have some opportunities for solutions. And one of the things that you and I have talked about as a uh, viable solution for this is detoxing your feed. And it's a pretty simple act, but it has a, a pretty good impact, doesn't it? Will you walk us through a little bit about what detoxing your feed really means. Yeah. I was so surprised when I heard the seven out of 10 stat of seven girls felt better after unfollowing accounts that did not make them feel good. And it's like, the solution is there. That is a huge stat of something so small that could increase our self-esteem. And I think the biggest thing that includes is either muting or unfollowing accounts that make us feel bad. So once again, Pay attention as you're scrolling through social media. If something is triggering you or making you feel bad, if you can unfollow that post or mute that post and then check in and see how you feel after that to see if it did make an impact. You could start small because it's hard to just go on your following feed and unfollow every single post that makes you feel bad. And muting is also a solution. Like I said in the past, when I was struggling, I didn't want to unfollow those people in my close circle. So muting was a better solution for me. But after you unfollow accounts that make you feel bad, 
follow accounts that make you feel good. I think that is equally, if not more important, because there are so many incredible communities within social media specific to what you're interested in. Are you interested in knitting? Because there's a whole TikTok algorithm designed (laughs) specifically for people who like knitting or mental health or sports, whatever it is. The community is so important and that can make you feel good because social media isn't going anywhere. Well, the seven out of 10 step that you mentioned is a really important thing to look at that seven out of 10 girls will tell us that they feel better after they unfollow. And I also can understand that it can be hard sometimes to unfollow. You might think like you're going to miss out on something or will that person know that I'm unfollowing them? And then does that create, if I know them in real life, does that create some sort of tension? But there's another layer to this too, which is opening up a dialogue, right? Between parents and their teens about detoxing their feed because it's not a one and done, is it? It's kind of a conversation to visit over and over again. So I'm curious what you would say to a parent listening who had no idea maybe of some of the impact that's that's out there and they want to start this conversation, but they might be afraid of a giant eye roll coming their way or, you know, kind of, you know, their kid not being interested. What would be a good approach for a parent to bring this up? I think you're definitely right in a lot of parents not knowing the impact of certain posts on social media. And like we saw in the Dove video campaign, so many of the moms had no idea the type of content that was showing up. And so many of the girls not became desensitized to it, but it was just like, yeah, this is what I see on my feed all the time. It's common, but subconsciously we're absorbing that content and it's making us feel worse. But going back to the Dove study, they found that eight out of 10 girls do want to talk about it which is Mm. a huge stat too. So just sitting down and scrolling and just even something like, hey, let's scroll your feed together. Let's see what your algorithm is versus what my algorithm is. Let's look how different they are. And then opening the dialogue that way once you already are into their algorithm and seeing the type of content they're consuming. Because you're right. A lot of parents are on the same platforms as their kids. They're just not getting the same content. So I was going to add the same advice, which I would think, I think it's great if you're a parent and you're on social media to actually do it side by side and not make it only about your kids' social media because we don't want to have kids feel like this is, um, you know, something bad for them. Because we also know in reality, social media is a lifeline for many kids, this is their digital reality. Real friendships are made. Real communities, as you mentioned, are born on social media. So there's a lot of good that comes out of our social dynamics on, you know, online. And this is something we want to pay extra close attention to and have parents kind of open that dialogue with. I'm curious for you, as you are, you know, experiencing both the creating of the content and navigating your own mental health boundaries, as you mentioned, and taking time to detox your feed, what have you found? Are you now more prone to unfollow right away or do you still take the mute and wait approach? I'm more prone to unfollowing. Absolutely. Unless once again, it's somebody in my circle that I just don't feel comfortable doing that. But what's interesting now is I'll almost scroll through my feed and be like, okay, what message is this video trying to get across? Do I stand by this message? Does it make me feel good? Yeah. Okay. I'll continue to watch it. Like I'm almost stopping myself in the tracks, questioning the way I feel and the intent of the video and then deciding after that. But I definitely have more firm boundaries in place. I think we all need more firm boundaries as this becomes more and more of our reality. And what I love about consuming your content, because you're one of the positive feeds that I follow. And I I mean that genuinely. I love the actionable and relatable work that you put out there. Thank you so much for this conversation. I know we've got some great tools from Dove on how to have parents help their kids detox their feed. You've been a great champion for this work. And I'm just so happy to have you out uh, in the world making good content and having these great conversations. I really appreciate you being with us. Thank you. And you too. 
Thanks for listening to Let's Change Beauty, a podcast powered by the Dove Self-Esteem Project. To watch Dove's new film, Toxic Influence, and learn how to help a young person in your life detox their feed, go to dove.com slash let's change beauty. On our next episode, we're talking to my friend Kristen Howerton, mom of four teenagers and founder of the incredible parenting blog, Rage Against the Minivan. We're talking to her about her unfiltered approach to parenting teens and what she does daily to help her kids navigate what they see on social media. Thanks so much for being here. And don't forget to write a review wherever you're listening. It really helps us out.